a friend of mine, a colleague of mine at ESPN, does a terrific job. I'm not sure if he's a better writer or a better dad. He's a world-class dad and a world-class writer. That's Adam Rittenberg. Adam, thanks for joining me, my friend. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. The great Chris Lowe, always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, today I finally was a good dad. As you know, we've been on the road a lot this year, so it was good to spend the weekend with the family after several weekends on the road. Yeah, I'll throw this score out there, Adam, uh, basketball. How about Wofford beating North Carolina in hoops? It's uh, this time of year – I was telling my dad this recently. In, in November and December in college hoops, you see scores. You, you sort of look at them and you do a double take, but you see them all across the country. Like, did that just really happen? And I think that's sort of what separates hoops and football. You, you know, you don't, A, you don't have those type of just massive upsets in football, but it is a pretty cool time of the year in basketball when you see a Wofford taking down in North Carolina. Yeah, no doubt. We saw Evansville take down Kentucky, and then obviously Stephen F. Austin, that was the biggest shocker going on the road to Duke and winning that game. And you're right, we don't see it in football. We typically don't like those matchups in football, whereas in basketball, it's celebrated more all the way until the tournament. <laughs> right. Right. It's a different feeling in, in that sport as opposed to football. Yeah, well, the ma- and the ma- let's be honest. What's the magic of the NCAA tournament in basketball, Adam? Is that those first, those first round upsets were a 14 14- beats a three or 15 or even you know in the case of virginia a couple years ago a 16 beating a one that's what people love about the first weekend of the ncaa tournament but in college football if you play if alabama or ohio state or texas plays one of those small schools and people you know tiss 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 you shouldn't even be playing them it's you know two different sports let's let's get to football though um playoff teams obviously are set and, you know, a lot of debate about who was going to be the four. We, we all pretty much knew who the top three were going to be. As you look at the matchups now, you know, the, the playoff matchups, do you buy that Clemson is sort of sitting there? And, of course, Dabo, Dabo being Dabo and trying to, you know, trying to get his team all lathered up for now nobody believes in you. We're just a little old Clemson. But do you buy that, that maybe they're the team going into this playoff to beat? Well, in many ways they are, Chris, because they've done it. I mean, you know, Oklahoma's obviously been there, but they haven't had success. Clemson's had a lot of success, uh, you know, especially last year's team winning it all. Most of those, you know, pretty much anyone on that team had something to do with that national championship run, especially the key players, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, the wide receivers, some of the defensive players like Isaiah Simmons. Ohio State can't say that. LSU can't say that. So if you believe one of those three teams is going to win, uh, Clemson's experience on the stage and preparing all year to be on the stage should really help them going forward. Now, they have not faced competition by you know any objective measure that LSU has faced, that Ohio State has faced, even that Oklahoma has faced. But they are all they always seem to be ready for this moment and obviously have the experience to perform. Adam, let's let's. Um... Let's turn to the SEC. I know you, you cover all of college football in the entire country. And I can remember having this conversation earlier in the year. Of course, I think we were all there, you know, with how miserably Tennessee started the season, you know, losing Georgia State at home and BYU. There were, you know, guys, Philip Fulmer had to actually come out and say, hey, I support my head coach. I've got no interest in going to the sideline and coaching. The kind of turnaround they made under Jeremy Pruitt, and I'm talking about Tennessee, and let's be honest, I mean, it's, called, you know, it's not like they played – the last five games are murderers row of schedule, but they beat teams that had been beating them the last few years and clearly got better in the line of scrimmage. What did you see from Tennessee 
that impressed you the most or stood out to you the most as they were able to sort of play their way into the postseason down the stretch? Yeah, I think it was just the second half. You know, oftentimes the team will lose the, the first two games like Tennessee lost and, and really start questioning bigger things about the program. And to Coach Pruitt's credit and that staff, they kept the players focused and were able to make a nice run in the second half. Now the next step, as you know, being around that program, being there in Knoxville, they need to start beating Florida. They need to start beating Georgia. They need to start competing for the SEC East again. But the, the way they finished the season, especially on offense, showing more life on that side, you know, getting more from the quarterback position, being better at the line of scrimmage, that sets them up for something in year three. they got to then take that next step, which is obviously harder, and, and, and compete more with the Floridas and the Georgias and the Alabamas, the teams that are on their schedule every year. They have to be in those games and ultimately they have to start to win those games, but now they can feel good about themselves, especially if they go out and win this bowl game. They'll have some momentum going into year three under Coach Pruitt. All right, we're going to let you partake in uh, what's uh, my colleague Austin Price's favorite part of the show. It's the Marathon Question of the Week. With the full tank of freedom, you can find your own highway and discover the true spirit of the American Road Marathon fueling the American spirit. All right, everybody's bad boy, and I'm dating myself. The Eddie Haskell of college football is back in the SEC, Lane Kiffin. In your estimation, Adam, is it year one, or do we wait to year two before he's battling or duking it out in the social media world, in the press, with another coach in the SEC? Do we have to wait to year two? Do we get that in year no. one? I thought you were going to say, is it going to beat Alabama in year one? That may not happen. No. But the social media stuff and the trolling, absolutely. Uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. Now, I know you spent a lot of time around Lane, and he talked about how he's a little different now. He's, he's posting those uh, tweets every morning of the, uh, the, the, the kind of zen-like things that he's following. So maybe he's calmed down a little bit. I, I don't buy it, though. I think Lane's going to be going after people. That's just his personality. It's always been who he is. And I think it's what makes it kind of fun. I mean, we have a lot of these the very buttoned-up coaches who don't say anything, that's not who Lane is, and I think it'll make it fun, more, even more fun in the SEC next year. So I don't know if he's coming after you know, Will Muschamp or Kirby Smart or, or somebody else uh, on the left side, Ed, Ed Orgeron or Nick Saban, but you know he's not going to be quiet. Well, I mean, listen, he's Lane Kiffin, and I've known him for a long time and been around him a ton. He, and, and he is different in this respect. I think he's better at seeing things from a thousand feet away than he used to be and, and not just diving right in. And he truly is grateful to be getting another chance. He truly is. I spent enough time around him to know that. But he hasn't lost his edge. And, and, and I think that's what you're right. That's what sort of makes him. And that's the reason he's getting another shot, shot. his edge on the recruiting trail, his edge in the way he relates to kids, uh, calling plays, and getting his football team ready to play. I spent some time. Actually flew, you know, with him to Ole Miss, and, and, and it was pretty cool, Adam. Some of his former players from Florida Atlantic came up and hung out with him in his office before he left, and one of them was B.J. Emmons, who played at Alabama and transferred to FAU. And He said, listen, man, I, he said, I've never been around anybody who instills confidence in you the way that Coach Kiffin does. And he just has a way, especially, I don't, you know, he's, he's younger than a lot of coaches, a lot of head coaches, but as one coach in the SEC told me, He's got that gunslinger mentality about him, that maverick mentality about him, and yet he's also smart enough and got it going on. The players know that because you can't, you know, you can't BS players. They know as a coach whether you got it or you don't. But he's got the combination of the two, I think, that makes him what he is. 
Right. I think you reported it or, or someone else, uh, a profile of Lane, uh, maybe a year or two ago. He talked about Steve Spurrier and how much he loved Spurrier growing up as a young coach. And that, that confidence is what Spurrier exuded at all times. And you could see it reflect in the way his team played year to year. Now, Kiffin's not at Florida. He doesn't have an established program in right. this. But I, I think there's a lot of Spurrier in him in, in different ways. Uh, and, and, you know, again, what, what, what would Steve Spurrier have been like with a Twitter account 20 years ago? Maybe he would have been using that the way that Kiffin has used it, or maybe Lane's just a little bit different. But I, I, I think that confidence element and, and instilling that in your players, it doesn't matter what the opposing fans think. It doesn't really matter what, what sometimes what, the, the, what your own fans think. It does matter what your players think, and it matters how they perform based on the confidence that you give him. I think he's been able to do that now at Florida Atlantic, and we'll see if he can do that now at Ole Miss. Yeah, well, we're going to get you out of here, Adam. But I'll tell you what his dad, Monty, told me when I was there last week. He looked at me. He said, Chris, thank the good Lord that there was no and, – and, and I love the way he says it. He says, thank the good Lord there was no – there wasn't a Twitter when Lane was at Tennessee in 2009. <laughs> right, right, right. Here, here, are the dates to, here are the dates to circle, though, Adam. Alabama plays at Ole Miss this coming season, all right, and then Ole Miss plays at Tennessee – in 2021, so I expect to see you at both games because I, I, I got a feeling that there'll be a little fireworks with both of those games. Oh, I'd love to be there. I mean, especially I never covered a game at Tennessee, and uh, that would be a great first one to do if I'm not there this coming season to be there for Lane's big homecoming. They, they, they seem to like him there now, right, Chris? Well, they, 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 liked, they, they liked him last year when, you know, a couple years ago when Tennessee was trying to hire a coach. I, I think now that he's back in the SEC – I'm not so sure. I don't, I don't know that he'll be um, okay. he'll be as qu- quite as high on you know it's 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 selective memory with all fan bases, not just Tennessee, but especially in the SEC. There's a selective memory. You, you remember the good times, you know. You don't remember the bad times so much, but it'll be fun. I, I, I think the league has missed Steve Spurrier. I think they missed his edge and his wit. I think Lane adds that. But Adam, man, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, go tuck those kids into bed, and we will see you down the road, my friend. All right, brother. Any- Appreciate it, Chris.